0: Well, good morning again, church family. Uh, as we talk to uh, every person that comes up here good says, Good morning, church family. You know, we are a family. Mm-hmm. And today I have a couple of other people that are a family, and they just happen to live in a different part of the world. But uh, uh, Gene and Greg Hines, uh, they are good friends. We, uh, Will has known Gene for like 30 something years because they worked together back in the corporate world before. God got a hold of them and sent them off to Honduras. They've only been there for like three and a half years, but before that, they went on mission trips year after year after year and fell in love with the country, and then God said, this is where I want you. So it's really a cool story, and they are, they are wonderful people. They love the Lord with all their heart. Gene's uh, going to share briefly, and then Greg is going to finish up this morning. So my friends, the Hines. y'all give him a warm welcome.
1: Well, good morning. It is always an honor and a privilege uh, to be among brothers and sisters in Christ. And we just want to say thank you for having us here this morning. And um, like Joel said, uh, Will and I have known each other for a long time. Well, yes. Greg won't say how many years, but Joel has already no, said. I, no, I I won't.
2: <laughs> I'll let her decide how much she's going to share. Those details are up to her. <laughs> but it did begin a long time ago, <laughs> sort of.
1: Well, as the slide says, yes, it began a long time ago, 30 plus years ago. And um, as always, we, we, we ask God to give us the words to share. And I did uh, jot down some notes, but as we have been here this morning talking and, and sharing with, with some folks, um, it brings some things to mind that, that I think God wants me to share. And um, Wilna and I did work together at the same company, and we had different job responsibilities. She was here in Texas. I was in Georgia. But our responsibilities allowed our paths to cross in, in many different ways and, in, and at various times. And um, she became someone that that, uh, I really respected. And, uh, sorry. I was on quite a different path at that time. It was a path of destruction. And something that I always saw in her was a peace and a calm. And I didn't have that at that time. I knew the name Jesus Christ, but I didn't know him. But I do now. And um, throughout these 30-plus years, Wilna and I have been able to stay in touch. And to me, that's just the amazing part of what God has done because throughout these years, um, he has used that to bring us to where we are today. And I was talking with Pastor Ridge this morning, and and we were kind of kidding around, and and Wilma says, she knows a lot of secrets. And I said, yeah, we're going to talk about that this morning. (laughs) It's the secret is really about me, because um, like I said, I didn't know Jesus Christ at that time, and now I do, and he has made such a difference in my life. And now we're going to fast forward all those years, and (laughs) 2015, Greg and I moved to Honduras, and... I was talking to Wilna, and, and she said, um, Joel and I want to come down and, and see what God's doing there and see if there's anything we can do to, to share and, and serve with you guys and, and, and uh, in your ministry. So they came down in 2017 for what we'll call an exploratory trip and brought a team down this year, and we just had an awesome time of, of sharing the love of God. And uh, we're just so thankful that God used all of this to bring us here today. So thank you.
2: Can we jump back to the map real fast? Uh, excellent. Bienvenidos a Honduras. Um, it's, you can't probably make it out really all that well from up there, but if you look at the map and you go... Way far to the left, almost before you're off the screen, you see a red dot with a town called Gracias. We live about 16 kilometers south of Gracias. That's where the Lord sent us to Honduras. Those of you who have been to Honduras know that um, that uh, that can be a rough 16 kilometers. Um, it's all dirt and gravel roads, so uh, 16 kilometers can take upwards of 45 minutes, so think 12 miles maybe, give or take, 45 minutes. That gives you a picture of, of what our travel conditions are usually like there. Um, we're so thankful to be here with all of you today. Um, we have been blessed beyond, beyond belief just being here in Texas uh, with Joel and Wilna for the last couple of days, and now being here, the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place is 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 very very evident. Um, so uh, we're so grateful to be here. Um, so you heard a little bit about uh, about how Gene uh, and Will and stayed connected, and how that led to the four of us uh, meeting. Because um, you know I, I didn't know uh, Joel and Will. know I remember the conference call we had when we were sitting in our house in La Compa talking with them. That was the first time I ever heard Joel's voice. And uh, then when they came down, that's the first time we got to serve together. And and uh, it's been a tremendous blessing. So. Um, God's doing a lot in our little part of Honduras, so we're just going to jump right in and, and, and see how much we can pack in between now and, and the time that, uh, that we go eat. So, um, so, so who are we? We're Greg and Gene Hines. We're missionaries serving in Frontline Missions. We, um, we joined Frontline Missions in 2012. We had, it was a natural transition for us. We'd been serving with them since 2008 on short-term mission trips. We took our first trip to Honduras in 2009. Um, a missionary with Frontline introduced us to a new ministry opportunity there. At the end of that trip, we knew we wanted to go back. That was about all we knew. We just knew we wanted to go back. So the Lord opened the door for us to do so. So we, we led more teams there, another one in 2010, 11, and 12. In 2012, we heard the Lord saying, um, I'm doing some things here, and, and I'm inviting you to join me in what i'm already doing here if you want to do that and um and and we did and so we accepted the invitation and we purchased a beautiful piece of property in la Campa in april of 2013 broke ground in june of 2013 and moved to honduras may 30th 2015 We each had uh, two checked suitcases and our backpacks, and we traveled down with the team, and they graciously checked six trunks of things for us, and um, that was how we began the adventure in Honduras. Um, It has been an adventure. It's uh, not always been easy, as you might imagine, Um, but God has proven to to be more than faithful to us through through everything that's that's taken place since we got there, uh, since we started going there. if there's anything that we want you to remember about us uh, throughout this presentation, just, we don't want you to remember that we're just very normal people. Um, God specializes in using normal people. Um, he's not waiting for the super spiritual and the super special to, to step up and you know, tell him how great they are and that they're there to, to save the day. He doesn't need that. He needs normal people that have the faith, as little as faith of a, of a mustard seed, that are simply willing to go and simply available, simply willing to take a risk on God and step out and, and uh, step into what he has for them. Um, let's see. Over three and a half years that we've been there, almost three and a half years, um, our calling to share the gospel hasn't changed. That calling stays the same, but God is revealing to us that there are many different ways to go about doing that. So as a result... Um, The ways of which we are doing that are changing, so things are growing and changing, and uh, those are some of the things we want to talk about as we continue on through the slide. So we already talked about, uh, really talked about Frontline missions and how we joined uh, Frontline. We're a very small uh, agency, a family-based agency uh, out of Fairburn, Georgia, and uh, other missionaries with our agency serve in other countries, including Colombia and Nicaragua. Um, however, we are the first missionaries that Frontline Missions has sent out overseas to live and serve full time. Um, the rest of our missionaries are based here in the U.S., and they travel quite frequently to, to uh, other parts of the world to share the gospel. One of the new and exciting things that has happened this year is that we started a new nonprofit foundation in Honduras. We had our papers legally recognized. Uh, the family health and development foundation honduras is is a brand new organization that we've started and this organization will allow us to to engage uh, more deeply in in the healthcare system to allow us to do uh some larger community development projects and it's all designed of course to share the gospel and meet people's ultimate need uh, the need for jesus christ um but um In order to do some of the things that we think the Lord wants us to do, we needed to have an an organization legally chartered in Honduras. So God granted us a lot of favor and has made that happen. Um, You can't visit our website yet because it's still under construction. However, on another website, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about about our new foundation that we started. Um, Back in 2012, when we were um, hearing God speak to us, one of the things that uh, He led us to do was to start a small coffee business called Abundant Life Coffee. And that was one of the first ways that we began to, to do community development projects by buying coffee at a price uh, much, much better than the price that most coffee buyers are paying and send it to the U.S. and roast it and distribute it. So um, we had a great partner, our friends at Blue Donkey Coffee, who walked with us every step of the way and mentored us and taught us about coffee. And, and, uh, and they've been our roasters and one of our primary distributors uh, since we started this venture. So. Um, if you're interested, visit our website. Check it out. You can make a difference with your coffee. You can support uh, ministry and missionaries in Honduras simply by enjoying great coffee in your home. They roast and ship all over the U.S., including Texas. So there you go. That's the end, that's the end of my shameless plug for, for coffee. Um, so... As I mentioned, we have uh, a brand new website that we just finished up. If a website's ever finished, I don't know. There's, designing websites is not my thing, so I don't know if it's finished or not. But uh, we decided it's finished enough. So um, our website is in hindsighthonduras.com. You can go to that website and you can read more about all of our our organizations and how the Lord's working and uh, through through us uh, in this part of Honduras. Um, we hope you'll go and and, uh, and check it out. Um, you can see, you can read some of the articles and blog posts that we've done over the years. And, um, and so we just hope you'll go and check that out. Uh, let's see. Short-term mission teams. You've already, I, you, I know you guys all know that uh, uh, we welcomed a team from Memorial First Baptist this year for the first time. And um, uh, you guys were all a tremendous blessing. Um, you go on a short-term mission trip because the Lord calls you to go on a short-term mission trip. But I can tell you one of the things that happens, and it happened to us today. When we were here this morning, and those of you that came down and spent a week with us came in, we have a different connection now because we spent a week together serving the Lord in a different place. So, so if you want to connect with some people... Go on a short-term mission trip, but go on a short-term mission trip because the Lord calls you to go on a short-term mission trip. That's the most important part, but you will make deeper and more lasting connections uh, when you do that. Um, The team was a blessing. Um, We we thank you guys for for coming. We host about 10 to 12 short-term mission teams a year um, in addition to uh, the ministry that we do uh, when we don't have mission teams there. And um, our our mission teams are are, uh, a huge blessing. We're only two people. We can't reach everybody. We can't do it all. Um, So groups of 6, 10, 12 people coming down, working alongside of us. We reach a whole lot more people in a week than the two of us can by ourselves. So uh, you guys are a great help to to the kingdom there. Um, One of the new initiatives that we're rolling out for 2019 is called Adopt a Community. It sounds very formal, but it really isn't. It's simply um, uh, along with us dedicating our time and our ministry efforts in a more Focused manner. We're also asking our church partners to make commitments to returning to communities for a period of time because I think you guys all know discipleship doesn't happen overnight. Um, you can't you can't blow into a community and you know spend a day or two there and, and and never go back and 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 see the kind of transformation that um, that we really want to see. So um, so this is a, a, a new idea for us. We had realized that we had sort of gotten spread out a little bit and we were doing a a lot of really good stuff, but we we're doing a little here, and then a little there, and then a little further way over there, and and we just felt the Lord revealing to us this year, you guys need to, I want you to tighten it in a little bit, I want you to bring your focus in a little bit, I want you guys to really work in specific communities, with specific churches and pastors, to start really seeing some deep spiritual transformation, so so we're we're learning and growing and retooling things a little bit as we go, so um, we've already been talking with Joel and Wilma about this for, for how this fits for 2019 so we're excited about that um, let's see ah yes Psalm 105 verse 1 is one of our our favorite verses and it's because it's what our lives should be about all the time right no matter where we are we should give thanks to the Lord we should make his deeds or make his name known among the peoples so um, so that's been a favorite verse of ours since since the beginning of our of our ministry in Honduras. And um, it's not easy making God's name and His deeds known among the peoples. Um, it takes commitment. So my question to you is: Are you committed to making His name known among the peoples? Um, it takes focus. If we're not focused on this, it's not going to happen. That's why focus is such a big word for us going in 2019. We've got to be focused on making His name known. It takes time. Time is a precious commodity. Are you willing to give your time? Um, You know, People give lots of money to missions, and and missions needs money. You don't fly off to some other part of the world for free. It takes money. But I'll tell you what, giving time is a much bigger commitment for many of us. Give time to do that. So um, are you willing to give of your time? I know it's hard, but are you willing to give of your time? It takes prayer. Are you praying for the lost people around you? Are you praying for opportunities Every day to share the gospel in some way that you run into. Um, it takes prayer to make his name and his deeds known among the peoples. Um, it takes patience. It just takes patience. Sometimes we got to wait. Sometimes you work and you work and you work and you just don't see anything. You just don't see any fruit, but you got to be patient. You got to trust that the Lord is working and, uh, and, and he'll reveal that fruit to you. But we have to be patient. Perseverance. How many of you, the first time you heard the gospel, decided I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ because this guy walked up to me and told me about Jesus Christ? Some of you did, um, that's for sure, but a lot of people don't. I I was sharing the gospel in in a small community in Honduras, and it was a rare occasion. I'm, I'm sharing, I'm sharing, I'm sharing, I'm going through all this stuff, and partway through, I'm looking at the guy I'm sharing with, and he's basically he's all but telling me, will you just shut up and, and let me pray the prayer or whatever it is got to do because I'm ready. Not because he was trying to get rid of me, but because he was ready. That happens. I mean, um, But it doesn't often happen. It, it takes perseverance. You gotta, some people, you got to share a lot before, <laughs> before they're willing to give their life to Christ. So yeah, you have to be persevering. But most of all, my last P word is it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. Without, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything period. We cannot do anything. So we've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit um, in order to to reach the lost and bring them into the family. So, reaching the lost with the life-saving gospel, to me, is really the ultimate fruit production. So my question this morning as we continue on, how's your spiritual fruit production these days? Is your fruit production like that? It's a lime. I was so excited right before we left. We, I walked around and I found out that our lime tree finally started producing limes. I don't know how many years ago we planted that thing, but it's finally producing limes. So is your fruit production like this? It's a lime. One lime is better than no limes, right? Or is your fruit production like this? Um, yes, I realize I'm comparing apples and oranges, or in this case, limes and bananas, but, but our little lime tree isn't producing enough limes to make the point. So is your fruit production like that, like a big, huge bunch of bananas? Um, and, and uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, that's also growing on our property, by the way. So we're blessed with, with fresh-grown organic bananas, and we don't have to pay extra for them. So is your fruit production like this? Are you producing a lot of fruit? Um... If you're not, that's what we're going to talk about today, about producing more spiritual fruit. So our last slide before we, before we transition into the message, and we're just going to leave this up here, very familiar verses to all of these, the Great Commission and, and Acts 1-8. So we're just going to leave those up on the screen as we uh, continue on uh, for the rest of the morning. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 15. And we're going to read, I think we're going to read verses 1 through 11, and I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different today. In church in Honduras, when we, when we start out the service and we read the Bible, everybody stands up while we read the Word. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up this morning while we read uh, these verses. All right, thank you so much. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just, I, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Let's pray as we continue on. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word that you've preserved to us for, for all for, for all these centuries, Lord. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So grateful that we have that, that uh, we can read it and learn it and speak from it and and preach it. I thank you for our time that we have here in church this morning. I pray that that, um, you will touch lives, that you will touch hearts, that you will touch minds, that you will draw each and every one of us closer to you in some way, that you will reveal something new about yourself, new and fresh today in our lives. And uh, just pray that, above all, that uh, you are glorified in all that we uh, do as we continue on this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, everybody be seated, please. And if you don't mind, I would like to get a little sip of water. Uh, okay. Okay, so we're in John chapter 15, and we know that John chapter 15 takes place very shortly after the the Lord's Supper, after the Passover celebration. The Passover celebration started off well enough, they celebrated the feast as they expected to do, Um, but but then some things, some different things started happening. Some things that were a little scary, even traumatic perhaps, and and definitely a little bit weird. Um, We know all of a sudden Jesus takes off his outer garments and he begins washing people's feet Um, that was traditionally done by the owner of the house as as uh, an expression of hospitality Um, but jesus washed the disciples feet he didn't do this to establish a church ordinance of foot washing as some people believe Um, he did it to demonstrate by example servant leadership that's taught very clearly in, in john chapter 13 then jesus predicted that he was going to be betrayed That obviously got everybody everybody upset. Um, Then Judas, having already been indwelt by the devil, all of a sudden he gets up and leaves. The disciples have no idea what's going on. All of a sudden he gets up and just takes off from dinner. Um, You know, because up until, probably up until that point, Judas looked just like the rest of them. He looked as committed to Jesus as everybody else was. But Judas gets up and takes off, doesn't say a word. Then Jesus tells the disciples, well, I'm going to leave you too. And then Jesus predicts that Peter will deny that he ever knew Jesus, and of course we know how that worked out um, for Peter, that it came true. So, John chapter 14 therefore begins with Jesus saying do not let your hearts be troubled. They had no shortage of things to to be troubled about. Um, Jesus makes some promises in John chapter 14. Uh, The the biggest promises I think that he he makes is, is that he promises that they will receive a helper. A helper will be sent to him, that they will not be left alone as orphans. Um, he was promising that the Holy Spirit would be sent to them. They couldn't understand what that meant at that time. We have the benefit of being on this side of the cross. We can read the word and we understand these things a lot more clearly. But, but uh, nonetheless, Jesus made that promise to them, that they would uh, uh, be given a helper. Um, all who believed in his name would not be left alone, even though Jesus was very clear, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave you guys alone. So, all that happened um, getting up to John chapter 15. Um, so, he opens John chapter 15 and he starts talking agriculture, which might not have been a real smooth transition for the guys, but, um, but he starts talking about vines and things. And, um, you know, he, he's talking about the vines and the branches and. And you know, explains, you know, the God is the vine dresser and, and he's the one taking care of uh, taking care of the vines and those of us who who are the followers are the branches. You guys understand this, lots of you guys grow stuff and, and you understand you just you just don't plant something and let it grow however it feels like growing, you gotta prune it and you gotta cut it and you gotta take care of it, and you have to do all these things. Um, but the branch itself really does nothing except provide the means for the nourishment to flow to the fruit, and it provides a place for the fruit to be attached. That's about it. That's it. it. So we're branches. Um, That's all we do. Um, But if the plant or the tree isn't cared for, it's not going to produce fruit, or it's not going to produce much fruit, or it's not going to produce good fruit. Um, Part of that caring involves removing the dead branches. Dead branches serve no purpose. There's no point for them to be attached to the plant. So if you want your plant to look good and to be healthy and to produce, you've got to cut off a dead branch. Plain and simple. Spiritually, we have the same process. There are those who claim the name of Jesus, but they don't produce any fruit. They'll eventually be cast away and thrown into the fire and burned like a dead branch. Um, that's a pretty hard truth, but, um, but it is a truth. God, Jesus said it in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Um, he also says that his true believers will produce fruit. Some of One of the things that we deal with in Honduras quite often is, is salvation, how you obtain salvation. So, so the question I, I, I always ask there is, um, Does that mean that we earn our salvation by producing fruit? You guys all know the answer. That is no. Ephesians is very clear that our salvation is by grace, through faith alone, nothing else. We produce fruit because of our relationship with Jesus. We don't produce fruit in order to earn our relationship with Jesus. So then, the follow-up question is, well, what about losing our salvation? If we're not producing fruit, do we lose our salvation? Well, the Bible tells us that once we are a true follower of Jesus, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit forever. First John chapter 5, verses 11-13 through 13, uh, is just one place in, in the Scriptures where you can find this promise of, of being sealed by the Spirit. So once we become a true child of God, we're a true child of God. Jesus says that no one will be plucked from his hands. All that the Father has given Jesus will be preserved until the day of redemption. And the Bible says once we are forgiven, we are forgiven. But what about those who claim the name of Jesus, but are more like dead branches and don't produce fruit? What about them? Did they lose their salvation? I don't think so. I think the question is, perhaps they weren't really true Christians in the first place. And that's only something that the, that the Father can know. That's only something that the Holy Spirit can know. But perhaps they weren't true Christians in the first place. Because remember Judas, he traveled with the disciples, he was in the inner circle, and he looked just like all the other disciples did um, for a time, until until judgment time came. So we know at the final judgment, there will be a separation. As we said, Judas looked just like the other disciples, but his outcome was very different. Many who claim the name of Jesus and do good works look like true followers. Remember the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13? The wheat and the tares were allowed to grow up together. They weren't separated until the end. I suspect that maybe some of the tares may have looked an awful lot like the wheat. I don't know. Jesus doesn't say that. That's just one of those things that, that go through my mind, but I'm figuring maybe they did look very similar, but at the end they got separated. Wheat went to, you know, go, we being wheat, true followers, would go into the presence of Jesus. The tares thrown into the fire. Matthew 7, Jesus returns to the illustration about the tree and its fruit. And he concluded this passage with what are to me among the most frightening verses in the Bible. So people were saying to him at the judgment, But Lord, I did this and I did that, and look at all the stuff that I did, and you know, in their minds, they were they were good. They looked like everybody else, looked like everybody else in the church, they were doing stuff, and everything was good. But what did Jesus say to him? Did he say, Man, that's great. You guys have been out doing all this awesome stuff, and and that is so cool. So enter into the kingdom. Did he say that? No. Nope. He said exactly the opposite. He said, depart from me because I never knew you. So that made me think about a couple of things in regards to to producing fruit. First, if someone is not producing fruit, it is reasonable to wonder whether or not they are a true follower of Jesus. Because Jesus said in verse 8, my followers will produce fruit. He didn't say maybe, he said they will. That's an evidence of being a disciple, is producing fruit. The other thing I thought about is, okay, well, somebody is doing a lot of good things, and they do appear to be producing what looks like good fruit. Why are they doing it? What's their motive for doing it? Are they doing it for recognition? Are they doing it for personal gain in some way? Or are they doing it because they are true followers of Jesus and they're doing it to obey him and to, to serve the kingdom. It's a very important thing. So instead of looking around at your neighbors and trying to figure out, well, who's bearing fruit and who's, who might be a true Christian and who might not be a true Christian, don't look around at your neighbors and do that. Analyze your own life. Ask yourself these questions because at the end, you're accountable for you. I'm accountable for me. I'm going to stand before, before the Father by myself. It, 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 you're not going to be able to help me, and I'm not going to be able to help you. We will answer to Jesus for what we have done in this life and why we did it. He is our only mediator. Right. Nothing else is going to matter. So um, ask yourself those questions, and um, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you um, what, the, what the real truth and what the real situation is. Um, so, we've, uh, we've declared if you are a true follower of Jesus, you will produce fruit. Some people, some of us will produce more fruit than others. Remember the parable of the sower and the seed in Matthew 13? Some will produce a fold some will produce fold, some will produce fold. Here's the thing we can't look around at somebody else and, and compare ourselves to somebody else. I can't look at somebody and say, well, he, he, that looks like a hundredfold production to me, and here I am only maybe doing sixty or thirty. It's not the point is to compare my fruit production to somebody else's fruit production. The point is, what are we doing with the capabilities and the opportunities that the Lord has given us to produce fruit? That's all that's going to matter. It doesn't matter how you stack up compared to somebody else. That's a trap. Um, What are you doing with the opportunities and the abilities that the Lord has given you? Um, There's another parable in Matthew 25 about the three slaves. Their master gave each of them a certain amount of money before he left to go on a trip and trusted them to do something with it. So he gave one slave one talent, he gave another slave two talents, and he gave another slave five talents. Um, So one slave was given five times more than the other slave. So in Honduras, we just recently had um, our harvest of, of corn um, uh, we call it elotes, so if you guys don't mind, I'm going to call corn on the cob elotes for the rest of the sermon. It works for me, it's only one word instead of three, and it makes me feel a little bit more like I'm in Honduras. So, so when I first did this, I wanted to really, really have a, an illustration that was just over the top. I, wanted to, you know, I was going to have all these elotes, and I was going to pull five elotes out and say, man, five elotes is a lot of elotes. And then the slave, other slave had five times as much, so 25 elotes is a lot of elotes. Twenty-five is way better than five. But then I figured out that I'd be standing here pulling too many elotes out of the bag it was going to take too much time. So we're going to do, here's one elote. One elote is okay. But here's five Elotes. I didn't try to do the guy in the middle that got two elotes because it just messes up the math, and and and, and I, I I can handle the one and five times a lot easier. So so I, I'm not I'm not disrespecting the slave that got two, um, but this just makes it easier. So one elote is pretty good if you're hungry. And imagine yourself. Imagine that you're a Honduran, you're a Lenka guy, Lenka family, and elotes is pretty much. Your food. I mean, this is what you eat all year long. This is what you eat. You harvest the lotes, and then you eat them like we do, sort of corn on the cob, or you can make some other things with them. And then you dry the rest of them and you make tortillas for the rest of the year. So imagine yourself as a Lankan person, and that's most mostly what you eat. So one elote is pretty good. All right, five is better. If you eat one elote, you'll be satisfied for a time. If, you eat five elotes, and you'd really be not hungry anymore. It would, it would carry you through for a good long while. Um, but here's a question. What could or should you do with the five elotes that you were given? Should you eat all of them? Well, you could right? if you're really hungry. You know, you might want to eat five elotes. I can't eat five elotes, but you might want to. Um, should you sell them for money? Well, I don't know, maybe. You might need money more than you need elotes. That's That's entirely possible. Should you share some of them? Yeah, sure, sharing is always good. Um, But you could also do this. You could save some of your elotes, dry them properly, set them to the side, plant them next year, and then have way more elotes than, than what you started with. And that would be using what you have wisely to produce more fruit. So Assuming that you are a true follower of Christ, how is your spiritual production? Are you producing a little or are you producing a lot? What are you doing with the skills and opportunities the Lord has given you? The Lord doesn't care, really, whether you have a skill level of one elote or have a skill level of five elotes. That's not all that important to him. What are you doing with the skills and opportunities that he's given you? Well, John chapter 15 tells us a big secret. And he says, tells us what we need to do if you want to produce fruit. What is it? You abide in Christ. That's it. In all verses 15, 1 through 11, that's what John said, uh, simply, or Jesus said through John, simply abide in Christ. If you abide in Jesus, he promises to abide in you. If he is abiding in you, you can do anything. What did we say earlier? If he's not abiding in you, you can do nothing. Um, so there's the secret. The one thing we have to do is abide in Christ. What does abide mean? It means stay with Jesus, don't run away. Stay with Jesus. Don't give up. Stay with Jesus. Don't get distracted by the things of the world. Abide with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Don't get discouraged because things are hard. Stay with Jesus. Things are a lot harder without Jesus. Amen? Do you want to serve Jesus? Well, you've got to abide with Him. You have to stay with Him. And you have to stay with Him no matter what, all the way until the end. Judas made it almost to the end. I mean, he was there until the Last Supper. I and mean, He was close, but he didn't stay with Him all the way to the end. If we stay with Jesus all the way until the end, we will prove to be his disciples. All right, so now we're going to cover some really deep, profound theological truths this morning. How do you abide in Jesus? Well, you can start out by reading the Bible. That'd be a good place. He gave us the Bible. He gave us his word. So read the Bible. Study the Bible. You'll learn more about Jesus this way. But you might be thinking, well, you know, I've only got one elote worth of ability to read the Bible and understand it. It's really, it's hard to read. I'm just, yeah, I've got one elote worth of, of ability to read the Bible. So what? Read the Bible. Read the Bible with the skill that you have. Our God is a supernatural God. He'll multiply your knowledge. I mean, that, that that's what he does. Um, remember the disciples. After after they came out, uh, Jesus had been crucified and they came out and they started his chair in the gospel and they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit by now and they had been with Jesus before all that. And remember what people said about the disciples. They were listening to them they said man, these guys these guys sound smart, but aren't they just a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and troublemakers and everything else but man, I'm listening to these guys and they sound smart well that's what God does. Spend time with the Bible. He'll make you sound smart He'll be able to use you so, so trust God with your one elote. Don't be like the slave who buried his elote and then gave it back to the master exactly the way it was. Don't stand before Jesus one day and say, Ah, you know, yeah, Jesus, yeah, you left me that book, you preserved it for all these years, and it was kind of cool and all, and I even had one that had red letters in it, and but you know, I wasn't that smart, and I just couldn't really understand it, so I didn't bother reading it. Don't stand before Jesus and have to say something like that. Read the Bible. He'll multiply your knowledge. He'll grow you up. He'll help you understand things that you can't understand. All right, so here's another really deep, profound theological thing we're going to learn about abiding in Jesus today. Pray. You guys had never heard that before, right? Pray. Listen and talk to God. Yes, it's okay to talk to God. But just remember, when you talk to God, you're not going to tell him anything you don't already know, all right? But, but go ahead and talk to him. He wants to hear from you. Um. A wise person, sometime I don't know how long ago, made a simple observation. He said, we have two of these and one of these. So maybe we should employ that in our prayer life and we should listen to God more and maybe talk a little bit less. And, um, you know, I still try to learn sometimes too. And husbands out there, you know, that works at home too. Um, I don't always do it very well, but, but that works at home too. You, you listen twice as much and talk half as much and, and things will probably go pretty well for you. Um, but pray to God, praise Him during your prayer times. I mean, and I don't mean sing to Him unless you like to sing to Him. I mean, I don't. I have you know, zero elotes worth of talent when it comes to singing, so so you know nobody wants to hear that. So I don't sing except in a large crowd like this when nobody else can hear me. And I'm so thankful that something freaky didn't happen. My microphone came on while we were singing. I, I was nervous about that when Joel said, "Well, you're going to be mic'd up." I'm like, "Oh, jeez." You know, so so thank you guys for not keying my mic. You know, during the singing part, because it would have ruined the whole thing. Um, but, but praise him. Tell him how thankful you are for him. Tell him how much he means to you. Um, confess your sins. Tell him you're sorry for your sins. Tell him, how much you, tell him that you want to change. And tell him that you need his help to change. We don't have it within us in our own to change. We just can't. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to change. So tell him all this stuff. He knows it, but, but tell it to him. But most importantly, when you're going to pray to God, listen to him. They'll tell you amazing things. You guys remember the the transfiguration, and they were up on the mountain, and and Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus, and somehow the disciples knew it was Moses and Elijah. I don't know. It's pretty cool. There you know, they are no pictures of them that we know of, but so they knew it was Moses and Elijah. And, and you remember what happened at the end? You know the Moses and Elijah go away, and then Jesus starts looking a little more normal to the disciples again, and then Peter's like, man, we. It is so great for us to be here, and 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 you know we're going to build tabernacles, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. You know Peter had to say something. Well, it's not just Peter having to say stuff; it's a human thing. We always want to say something you know, all the time. And what happened? Cloud forms up while Peter's going through and doing all this, and God says, "Shut up and listen to my son." Well, he didn't say exactly "shut up," but you know that that's my paraphrase. But but at, at the end of it, I mean that's the point: be quiet, listen to Jesus. All right, so we're going to read the Bible, and we're going to pray. And then here's the next big theological thing that we're going to do. We're going to obey Jesus. Well, imagine that. We're going to obey Jesus. Do what you see Jesus doing in the Bible. Pretty simple. Jesus said that's all he did. He said, I'm here, and, and you know, what I hear my father say, I say. What I see my father do, I do. So why don't we try doing the same thing? Why don't we read the Bible and why don't we see what God is doing and see what Jesus did. And they say, ah, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to try to do some of the things Jesus said. Because remember, another, in another part um, in, in John, Jesus made a, a staggering promise. He said, you'll do greater works than I did. Now, I don't understand that. But he said it. So let's, let's look and see what Jesus is doing in the Bible. And then let's try to do what he does. Let's try to say what he says. Let's try to look like he does. All right, so that's it. Whole thing's really simple. I'm gonna abide in Jesus all the way to the end. And I'm gonna read my Bible and I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna obey Him. Simple. And we mess it up all the time. Well, I mess it up all the time. I don't know about you guys. Maybe, maybe I, I'm just the one that, that can't follow this really simple process and and I'm talking myself, but but it is really simple. Alright, so maybe you're here today and you don't know for sure if you have a personal relationship with jesus if that's the case then you can't claim all these promises you just can't that's not me saying it. the bible says that so don't be mad at me take it up with god and, and his bible um so you have to have a relationship with him first um, that's the most key critical thing if you want to buy jesus and serve jesus you got to have a relationship with him first um, and th- this morning is an opportunity for you to do that to establish a, a personal relationship with jesus you got to do it on his terms. Um, Jesus ain't Burger King. He can't have it your way. Um, he, uh, you have to do it on his terms. Do it the way he wants. Um, but if you do, your eternal destiny will be changed. And only then will you begin to discover the real purpose for your life. Or maybe you're here and you're evaluating your life and you're thinking, well, I'm not really sure I see that much fruit, that much spiritual fruit production in my life. What, what does that mean? What do I do about it? Well... You consider yourself to be a Christian and you're just thinking, ah, I, I don't know, I just, I'm not really seeing it. Well, I think that could be for two reasons. First, it could be you are a true Christian and you just don't recognize some of the fruit production that's taking place in your life. That could very well be the case. And I know Pastor Ridge or Joel or any number of, of, of people in here could help you understand what real spiritual fruit production is and what it looks like and how it's manifest in our lives. Um, the other reason could be Perhaps you're not truly a Christian. And I say that carefully, and I say that respectfully, and I say that not wanting to create doubt where, where no doubt should exist. If you know that you know that you know that you are saved, a born-again believer of Jesus, then praise God for that. Praise God for that. And the Holy Spirit will testify to your spirit that you are a true believer in Jesus Christ. Um, one last thing. Yeah, one last thing. Um, I want to share before, um before I close and, and turn it over to Pastor Ridge. Uh, there's two men. One man goes through his entire life and just lives life for himself. Just does whatever he wants to do. Doesn't ever think about Jesus, much less do anything for Jesus. Not one time did he ever do anything except serve himself and serve his own needs. Will, do you think he'll be surprised at the final judgment? Well, yes and no, I think. Um, he'll be surprised because he's going to learn that Jesus is Lord that Jesus is real, that he's Lord, that he exists um, I think he'll probably find himself even more surprised when he starts getting down on his knees and confessing Jesus is Lord because Paul says we're all going to do that he Says everybody is going to do that at that moment but that moment's too late that guy can't do anything about anything at that point um, I think he'll be surprised about that but I don't think he's going to be all that surprised when he hears the Lord say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Why should he be surprised? He lived his whole life doing whatever he wanted to do. He shouldn't be surprised at that. He'll be sad. He's going to have regret on a level that's unimaginable. But I really don't think he's going to be surprised. Um, and I find it kind of interesting. Isn't it foolish? You guys all know people. You guys all know people that, that think that somehow, no matter what they do or don't do, that they're going to end up spending eternity in heaven. If they don't want to spend time with God now, why do they want to spend an eternity in heaven with them? It's crazy to me. I, I hear people say stuff like that. i like, what? Are you kidding me? You don't want to spend any time with them now. So, so anyway, the other man said there's two men. So the other man. The other man goes to church. Every opportunity there is. He gives money to those in need. He, maybe he cleans up the church. Maybe even helped build the church. I don't know. Maybe he's a deacon. Maybe he's a pastor. I don't know. He spent his whole life in church doing good things. But he did all of these things in his own strength. He did all these things without abiding in Jesus Christ, without having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That man is going to receive the surprise of his life when he gets there and he hears from the Lord, depart from me, for I never knew you. I don't want any of you to be surprised. I don't want anybody in Honduras to be surprised when we meet them and we share the gospel with them. Whether they go to church or they don't go to church. Whatever church they go to. I don't want any of you to be surprised at the end. I want all of you to know that you know, that you know without the slightest bit of doubt that you are saved from your sins, that you are born again believer, and that you have the promise of eternal life in the presence of God. That Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Your eternity depends on that. Um, John 15 one, first verse Jesus says I am the true vine why do you say that? because there's lots of false vines out there always have been false vines out there um, for the Old Testament Jews, the temple and the law were false vines, no salvation came through the temple, no salvation comes through the law following religious rules and regulations are false vines we, we see that all the time. People want to follow religious rules and regulations. They're false vines. No salvation comes through rules and regulations. Um, good works is a false vine. I don't care how many good works you do. No salvation comes through good works. The Bible is clear. There's one way. One way is Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Pastor Ridge, We we'll am going to turn it over to you. Thank you guys for your time. It's been a blessing to be here.